You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. A reading of the Redemption of Thinking by Rudolf Steiner. This is Appendix 4, entitled The Two Paths of Dionysus the Areopagite, and uh, see Lecture 2, page 63. The modern mind must not dismiss this apparently complicated theory as a paradoxical invention of a subtle philosophic brain. Dionysus is relating factual mystic experience and the complication results from having to try to express it in terms of ordinary physical consciousness in a pre-scientific age. In regard to the two paths of Dionysus, it is the universal experience of all mystics that the vision of the divine absolute cannot be reached by sense experience or by logical thinking based on sense experience. Modern science has carried sense experience to a range undreamt of by Dionysus or the scholastics, but it has never arrived at the divine or what it would call, quote, the ultimate explanation of the universe, close quote. Occasionally it has thought it had arrived at this goal, but further observation soon disproved its hypothesis. The subtle thinking of the scholastics would have disproved it at once, without further observation. If then man is to find the path to the absolute, he must learn to tread the, quote, path of unknowing, close quote, the path of knowledge which is not derived from sense experience. This he can only begin to do by the way of regular concentrated meditation, abstracting himself as far as he can from his connection with the world of sense experience. Sooner or later he will find himself on that negative path, having awakened his own dormant spirit faculties. But now he is in an unfamiliar country. The old landmarks have disappeared. His accustomed sense of direction no longer works. Dangers and deceptions confront him with which he is ill-equipped to deal. And the further he advances, the more incomprehensible his experience becomes. For a man to walk only on that path may easily end in disaster, or at best in vague and unrelated emotional experiences. To have his feet upon the ground, he must also have followed the other path of sense experience, for, as Dionysus put it, quote, unless a man treads the path of reason, he will not get to God at all, close quote. The man, however, who only treads the path of reason and science, seeking to derive from his sense experience every possible indication of the absolute, divested in thought of its material forms of manifestation, in the end finds himself confronted by an emptiness, void of material phenomena but also void of any discoverable trace of God, void of all but the abstract absolutes he has extracted from sense experience, now only names or words. The void, too, is also a great darkness, and like Omar Khayyam, he turns back with a shrug of his shoulders to sense experience. But if he persistently treads both paths, his experience will be different, his reason and power of judgment are deepened by the scientific path of observation, and this enables him to move more certainly 
on the spiritual path of meditation. Above all, it trains him in the habit of letting the spiritual phenomena speak for themselves, the scientific habit of sitting down patiently before the facts and not hurrying into hypothetical explanations. On the other hand, his actual knowledge of supersensible reality on the path of unknowing gives him a different approach to the facts of sense experience. He now sees them in many instances quite clearly as a manifestation of hidden reality, and both in nature and in revelation he perceives a self-revealing in sense experience of the divine absolute that he is seeking. When he arrives at the limit of sense experience, the abstracted perfections, or as they are more usually called, the universal concepts, which he has derived from sense experience, are now not mere names or words, but thought realities pregnant with spirit content. Moreover, when he reaches what for the materialist is a void, a miraculous metamorphosis takes place. Because he has trained his spiritual faculties on the path of meditation, he finds himself in conscious awareness of the world of spirit realities that are manifested in sense experience, and by reason of the training of his judgment in scientific observation, he finds himself in an ever-increasingly comprehensible world in which the old logical thinking of physical science is transcended and the once abstract perfections are spirit entities. The two paths have met and each is illuminated by the other. They have now become one path that leads straight to God. It was to a task like this that Rudolf Steiner devoted his life in our scientific age. His task was twofold. Firstly, to explore more and more deeply, but with clear, self-conscious thinking, the hidden realities of the world of spirit, which he knew by direct experience. And secondly, to find forms of thought and expression in which he might, with the same scientific exactness, set forth his supersensible experiences and relate them to the experiences familiar to physical consciousness. The life experience of Rudolf Steiner is a striking illustration of the truths of the truth of the two paths of Dionysus. Born with a direct awareness of supersensible reality, and endowed with remarkable intellectual faculties and a natural bent for scientific observation and inquiry, his feet were already placed on both paths. But he had to tread the paths separately, and the supersensible path in complete loneliness. He strove earnestly to find some track that would unite them. When he was about eighteen years old, he discovered by actual experience that it was only along the line of thought the least concrete element in physical consciousness and thought that was as far as possible detached from sense experience that the track between the two paths lay. Footnotes the Appendix 5, titled The Philosophy of Spiritual Activity, page 172. That's going to be the next appendix that I read, and a footnote. But it was not until his 36th year, in 1897, that Steiner found the full answer to his quest. <clears throat> After years in Weimar, of deep investigation of Goethe's patient, spirit-filled study of nature, and having intensified his own spiritual faculties by prolonged and regular meditation, suddenly for him, as he relates most vividly in his autobiography, there appeared the metamorphosis of sense experience. In meditation, 
upon the phenomena of nature, he became vividly aware of the supersensible realities of which they were the manifestation or expression. His range of supersensible experience now widened to that vast revelation given by the spirit world to man in the physical world of space and time. The two paths had met, and meeting each had enriched the other, and the way lay straight ahead. Swiftly he passed from imagination to inspiration and on to intuition. He realized in actual experience what Spinoza had declared to be true when he said that, quote, from the peak of spirit vision we can comprehend the whole historic process which is involved in the evolution of mankind, close quote. But the vision went further still. As Dionysus had said, quote, when the two paths meet, the way leads to the goal of the divine, close quote. Spinoza's words were verified, quote, Intuition changes into theophany, the vision of God himself. Close quote. Quote, At the turn of the century, Rudolf Steiner writes in his autobiography, I stood before the mystery of Golgotha in a most inward, most solemn festival of knowledge. The end of Appendix 4.